0: Welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio. Thank you so much for joining us here for another week of hard-hitting action and analysis in the sweet science. Joining me on the show this week, you know him. He is a two former two-division world champion. He's a current ESPN broadcaster, one of the most brutally honest analyst in the game, Tim Desert Storm. Bradley uh is on the show, a recurring guest. I love having Tim on. Uh we're gonna talk about Lomachenko. We're gonna talk about Tank Davis, uh Cambos, the entire uh, lightweight division, get his thoughts. Uh, on who should fight who next we will grade the performances Uh, you know really good discussion on Tank Davis and uh, because I think it's coming to a head uh, with Tank Davis I'm pretty sure as we speak right now Leonard Ellaby is on Twitter uh, going at fans going at Rick Glazer Uh, it's a tumultuous time as always on, on the boxing Twitter world but you know, in terms of the fights that we're seeing and have saw this, this past year, I mean, you really can't complain if you're a boxing fan. Yes, maybe we didn't get Joshua versus Fury or we didn't get Spence versus Crawford, but it's been a damn good year of boxing. I mean, just this past weekend wasn't the most uh, exciting fights across the board, but just, just so much quantity. I uh, put out my two-minute recap. Uh, it started at maybe 9 a.m., uh, Eastern, went until 1 a.m. Eastern here when Donaire knocked out Gabayo. Uh, Donair is a beast. We saw Lomachenko this past weekend. I mean, it, it was just absurd what we saw. We saw v- Vasily Lomachenko take out Richard Comey uh, to establish himself as maybe the best lightweight uh, in the world. We saw uh, Donair, Nonito Donair, knock out another opponent. This time, Raymart Gabayo with a vicious left, uh, his vintage body uh, shot, his vintage left hook. Uh, to the body. Take a look at Donaire's year. He started off uh, his year in July, or over the summer, uh, becoming just the 11th boxer to ever win a world title in three different decades. And then he ends his year by knocking out a 25-year-old undefeated opponent. Uh, Donaire is one of the all-time greats. Uh, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's not even done, man. This guy's calling out in a way. He's calling out, uh, you know, he wants to face Chocolatito. The guy is just a, such a a breath of fresh air. Just a, a a great and he does it the right way, uh, you know, a clean boxer. Uh, you know, obviously we wanted to see him where it's Casemiro, that whole drama played out. It was what it was. But Donaire won this weekend. We saw a uh, Connor Ben knock out Chris Algieri. I think he is a guy that it's improving every single time, and he is a real uh, you know, he is a guy that's gonna make some waves at 140 and, and 147. Katie Taylor won. So I think we're going to see that mega fight with Amanda Serrano. Amanda Serrano's in action uh, this weekend. We saw Dimitri Bival jab his way to a victory uh, over Solomov. I don't know what's going on with, with Bival. Uh, uh, he has power, but he just simply doesn't throw his power shots. He, 76% of Bival's punches were jabs. I mean, that's great. I mean, he can move like no other. I, there was a while where I thought that he would give Canelo uh, the biggest problems at 175 uh, you know, I, I still think that in in a sense, but you know, I think better obviously is that guy. 175. We're going to see him fight uh, Marcus Brown uh, this weekend, and then of course uh, we also saw Keyshawn Davis, Jared a- uh, Anderson, Brandon Lee, all with really impressive knockouts. That was this past weekend. This upcoming weekend, another jam-packed weekend. Four different uh, fight cards on four different platforms. Friday night, Arthur better is back. Uh, he's back in the ring against Marcus Brown. Like this fight. Obviously, I think Better Biev will win. Uh, he's the betting favorite in this one. Marcus Brown is a puncher. Uh, certainly, uh, one of his only losses came to a juiced up uh, Jean Pascal. So you always got to give uh, Brown a, a shot in this one. We're going to see now at 175, we're going to see some of the heavy hitters there uh, in the next couple weeks. Uh, better Bev fights on Friday. We just saw Bivol. Uh We're going to see Zerto Ramirez fight on the zone this Saturday night, not against a, a tough opponent. But we're seeing Zerto. I mean, we want to see him in there with tough opponents, but at least we're going to see him. Then we're also going to get Joe Smith versus Callum Johnson on on January 15th. Those are the top guys at at, at 175. And obviously, Canelo Alvarez's shadow is over the 175-pound division. Uh, It's currently over three different divisions right now. I don't think he'll stay a cruiser, but I'm sure there are some cruiserweights that are like, hey, I want to fight Canelo Alvarez. Obviously, everyone at 175. And of course, there are some guys at 168. Uh, most notably David Benavidez that want to fight uh, Canelo. But uh, the thing that I like about Zerdo is he's not calling out Canelo. Zerto was calling out Bivol. He wants, that's a fight that should be made. I mean, those are two guys that fight on the zone. It should not, we should see that fight in, in 2022. Then, you know, whoever wins that comes through, they can make a case uh, for Canelo. But I think uh, with better Biev, I, I think he is the class at 175. He hits the hardest. Uh, he has movement, but it is limited, and uh, but he's getting up there in age. You know, 35 years old. We've seen him down before, but there is no doubt that he hits very, very hard. So I'm looking forward to that fight. Uh, we're going to see Madrimov versus Sorrow this weekend. We're going to see David Morrell, who is a secondary title holder at 168. It's a very impressive guy. Uh, fight Atlantis Fox over in Minneapolis. We're going to see uh, Joseph Parker versus Derek Chazor in a heavyweight grudge match that uh, it should be fun. <laughs> and then, of course, over on Showtime, Jake Paul and, and Tyron Woodley for the second time. Another rematch. Uh, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley over on Showtime pay per view. Obviously, Woodley is replacing Tommy Fury. I wanted to see Tommy Fury versus Woodley uh, versus Paul. I thought that would have been a funny scene, whether it was Tyson Fury, was there, whether Big John Fury. Probably couldn't be there because of the whole visa issue of him uh, gouging someone's eyeball out. But it would have been fun to, to see Paul against the quote-unquote boxer. I know that uh, Tommy Fury's uh, skills can be uh, debated. But in this rematch, I put out a tweet uh, a few weeks ago about Tyron Woodley. I am very aware that Tyron, the knock on Woodley is that he just never lets his hands go. He did it uh, in, when he was in the UFC. He just would never throw strikes. He would kind of freeze up. And he did that in the first couple rounds against Woodley. Threw six punches in the first round versus Jake Paul. That was Tyler Woodley. In the second round, he upped it to eight punches. In the third round, he said, you know what? I'm going to let my hands go. And he threw 15 punches. But look what he did in the fourth. He went over the 20-punch plateau. And he hurt Jake Paul. He had Jake Paul crashing against the ropes. We have never seen Paul hurt like that in a fight. But that's the thing. I know it's a big if. If Woodley lets his hands go, he should be able to hurt Paul. We saw that in the fourth round. I think he should go for broke, Tyron Woodley. What does he have to lose? He wasn't even supposed to get a rematch. And now if he goes in there and throws 20-plus punches, which is a very low barrier in in, in boxing, 20-plus punches is well below any weight class average in, in the sport. But if he lets his hands go, if, I get that, if Woodley lets his hands go, he will hurt Jake Paul. Can he stop him? I'm not exactly sure, but I, wanna, I think Woodley goes into this fight a lot more uh, aggressive. He's got nothing to lose. That should be a fun uh, one over on, uh, on Showtime. I'm not going to get into what it means for the sport or you know why is Jake Paul fighting. On Sh- I think it's just it is what it is at this point. Everyone talks about YouTube boxers taking over boxing. That was a big narrative uh, of the sport in 2021. Let's be honest. There's only one. YouTube boxer right now. It's Jake Paul, and uh, it it is what it is. It's a whole separate lane. Uh, He's amping up Amanda Serrano. Love that. we got Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor in April at MSG. Biggest payday for for both of them. There are positives uh, to this Jake Paul uh, in in boxing uh, debate. Uh, But with that, let's get to our guest this week. You know him from ESPN. You know him from his fighting days. He is uh, one of the best analysts in boxing. He is Tim. Desert Storm Bradley. Okay, it's time to bring in uh, one of the best recurring guests here on Inside Boxing Live, pound for pound, one of the best broadcasters in the game, pound for pound, one of the best waiters in the game. (laughs) It's Tim, (laughs) Desert Storm Bradley. And if you're wondering why I said waiters, when me and Tim were setting up this interview, you know, Tim told me that you know uh, I'm a busy man these days because I have multiple restaurants, and you are a very hands-on owner. You actually wait tables, which is just amazing to me. I do it all. Do it all. It doesn't matter, man. Honestly,
1: you, um, you never you never forget where you come from, and you stay you stay humble by doing things that you used to do in the past even though I got, you know, a bank full of money, I still, I still want to get out there and and lead by example and just show these kids because they're young kids that work for me and my wife um, and just show them that it doesn't matter what status or what level you own, man, you got to continue to grind and work hard. So uh, it's fun. I enjoy it when I have to, um, (laughs) but I stay busy, man. I stay busy. You know, we have a food truck as well that my wife is operating as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's literally, it's my wife's business, but you know, it's really hard to find help nowadays so and that's that's all the way across the board no matter what business you're in
0: so i heard uh, the one of the best dishes you have is a hot dog on a tortilla <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no man i was just that was just for the, the moment man i need to get something in me. so how
0: about bacon on it, bread
1: oh oh yeah bb sandwich BB that's sandwich. Fire, man. that's, that's a tim bradley
0: to- staple Get stuck to the top of your roof, the
1: roof of your mouth, too, man.
0: So <laughs> that's when you come out with the extra water. That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, that just shows you world champion, two division world champion is not afraid to wait on tables, not afraid to get his hands dirty. Love that. Nah. Um, big end of the year in boxing. Huge. Uh, it's been a great year, I think. I mean, obviously, the summer was a little slow, but man, this last. Three months has been something special, especially in the lightweight division, Tim. Let's talk about what's most recent in our memory. Saturday night, this past Saturday on ESPN, you were on the call uh, for Lomachenko versus Richard Comey. Lomachenko gets the win. Uh, There were some interesting moments, especially in the seventh round, but overall... I thought that Loma looked strong. I thought uh, his footwork was there. I thought his accuracy, oh, my God, man, the guy's landing close to 60% of his power shots uh, this year, whether it was Nakatani or, or whether it was Comey. I thought it was a really, really good performance from Loma, arguably the best lightweight performance that we've seen uh, in this last month run of these top guys. Uh, what was your main takeaway from Loma's uh, win on Saturday? Well,
1: I, I can just say this. Um, I said this, I was thinking this going into the fight. I said. We're gonna see something spectacular tonight. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I know stylistically, uh Comey, I know what he brings. He brings a lot of punching power. Um, but he I know he struggles against movers. Um, I knew Loma was gonna be able to, you know, do what Loma does, get to the angles, get to the side, you know, front foot, back foot chef shuff, stuff, uh, shuffles, uh shuffles and get on a, on an angle and, and punch from those uh, particular angles. So um I knew it was gonna it was gonna be a nightmare, you know. It's just always, you always got to be a little, uh, you know, tentative to just say a guy's just going to come out and win because a guy that has punching power like Richard Comey, mm-hmm. all it takes is one shot that you don't see at the right, you know, in the right spot and this lights out. So, um, but great performance, vintage, Lomachenko. I will say this. I, I, I saw a lot of straight punches. I saw some uppercuts. I didn't see a whole lot of right hooks. I can tell you that I didn't see a lot of right hooks coming from, Loma. And that shot was open. I saw a lot of straight lefts, but not right hook. So that can be uh, maybe, you know, from the injury he suffered from his right, you know, right hand on the right side. That could be on his mind. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. he looked spectacular, man. He showed the world that, hey, he is still a living legend, and he is, in my opinion, the best 135 pounder in the world.
0: Well, you just took my next question away. Yeah. Uh, uh, is is Would you have him number one? How about this? Would you favor any other lightweight over him
1: I I, at this point I will not I will not um, Loma has fought tough competition from day one you know in his second professional fight he fought against Alito or a championship fight he came up a little short there but that's understandable but then he comes back and then he fights Gary Russell Jr. who's a phenomenal fighter he beats him in his third fight in his seventh fight he wins another world championship I mean he's been fighting top-notch competition from day one Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel that if anyone deserves a shot at Mm Cambosis, it's Lomachenko, because he continuously fighting the best fighters in the division, top 10 quality guys in a division. And I would say the second guy I would say is, is uh, Haney. Mm -hmm. You know, Haney's been calling for all these fights. He wants to fight the best guys out there, but guys are not lining up to fight Devin Haney, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I would say his last two performances were his best fights in his career. Mm -hmm. Uh, Linares been in the ring with Lomachenko. He was able to escape him. He was hurting around, but he boxed his way to victory. Uh, And you got Diaz as well. Diaz has been in the ring, Tevin Farmer. I mean, he's been in the ring with some some really great fighters. Uh, for tuna, um, mm-hmm. you know, and was he was in there with tuna.
0: Gary Russell too. He he, he lost, yeah. but I mean, it, you still pick up something in a loss.
1: You do pick up, you you know, lessons are definitely uh, learned in a loss. But with that being said, those two guys right there, I would say, are the front runners really? right now. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I would say
0: you know, to get Cambosos. I don't know if I have Haney. Um, if I was just ranking the guys, I, I I something about Haney, I just can't put my finger on. it. We'll get to that in, in a second, but. The Lomachenko fight, the seventh round, uh, was interesting for a a number Mm -hmm. of reasons. He drops Comey. That was just a beautiful short uh, hook right on the chin. Drops, uh, excuse me, drops Comey. And then we had this moment where he lets his foot off the gas. He he motions over to the corner of Comey. Listen, I've been watching boxing a long time. You have been watching boxing a long uh, longer than I have. Have you ever seen that? I know you were somewhat critical of it afterwards. What was that all about?
1: You know, at the, at the, in the moment, I was just like, wait, what's what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I've seen, I've seen guys actually look at the referee and say, hey, yeah. you better stop this. You better stop this, but not at the corner. You know, people need to understand that. And it was the first time me seeing, you know, Loma just showing compassion for a fighter. I've never seen him show compassion like that for a, a particular fighter. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, you know, at the, the, the night started winding down. I started thinking like, hey. You know, look at the lead up to this fight. I mean, it was all respect. It was all smiles in the press conference. It was all smiles at the way in. These guys are cracking jokes. These guys are, are laughing. And, you know, one of the things that I know about Lomachenko is he knows he wants to know everything about his opposition, Mm -hmm. you know, the way he lives, the way he eats, the way he, you know, he lives outside of boxing, what he does in the gym. I'm sure he finds out every bit of information about a particular fighter. So then I started thinking, I was like, huh, Comey's wife is first time kids or first time in the arena, ever watching them live in in a professional bout. Maybe that's on Loma's mind. Maybe Loma knows that. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stop this fight because I don't want to really seriously hurt this guy in front of his wife and kids. So, you know, you can think it's a long shot, but. In the past, I've never seen MoMA do this. I've never seen him actually let off the gas and say, you know what? You, I'm trying to give you a way out. If you're willing to take it, go ahead and take it. So it was surprising to me. Um, should you I, have I, that
0: type of compassion, though? I mean, this is a dangerous, dangerous sport. No, I, I thought he should. he took... He didn't take a lot no. of punishment in the fight, Loma um from the seventh round on, but he did take more shots, and this is a guy in Comey, like we said, who has a very strong right hand, like a quote unquote puncher's chance. I mean, I know the answer to this you're going to say no, like you shouldn't have like that much compassion whether that was the if that was why he he did that, man. This is a sport where it's not like football, you just run the clock out and, and maybe you let a team back in this is a like you can get hurt yeah, I mean.
1: What happens if 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 Comey catches Lomachenko in, in the 8th or the ninth or the 10th or the 11th round? I mean, mm-hmm. what happens then, you know, showing that compassion if it would have backfired? But the fact that it didn't, I mean, I would say no, you don't want to do that. But at the same time, I think Loma felt that he was in control. Uh, he let off the gas and I feel that he he let him survive, to be honest with you. I thought he let Comey survive. Uh, you, I can be wrong. Um, that's fine. But... I mean, I think if you sit down and you talk to Loma and you and really ask him, if mm-hmm. you really ask him, I'm pretty sure he'll say, Hey, I, I did let him off the hook.
0: That's crazy. And
1: so, um, but anyways, that's just my opinion That's yeah. what I think is what I saw. Um, but you know, I've never seen that before, no. especially in Lomachenko or any of the fighters.
0: Yeah, it, it, that's, it was a little uh, – it was the only part of the uh, fight of, from his performance that you could question because the rest of it was so damn good. And, and yeah, I, I do appreciate t- – t- I don't know if you know this. There is a large faction of boxing fans, whether on Twitter or, or just out there in general, that really appreciate uh, your brutal honesty and the way you analyze the game. I say you are the uh, Charles Barkley of boxing, except yeah. you won, except you won a title.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Charles should have won the title, but it's all good, man. Yeah, with hey, Phoenix. Charles, he should have won with winning, the Suns. Okay. He's winning titles left and right, man. Emmy's yeah. left and right with his show, with the show with the guys. But yeah. uh you know, I, I it took me a while to get to this point
0: mm-hmm.
1: where at first it was like Tim's hating, Tim's hating, and that was the norm. And, and then, you know, the fighters will think that he's hating, he's hating, he's hating. But then it got to a point to where, like a breaking point to where, you know, what I would say actually came to fruition. And then the fighters were like, wait, dang, he was right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, mu- I need to respect him. And so then more and more fighters started respecting my knowledge of the game and what I've been through because I've actually done the sport of boxing and I have a really good eye. Like... I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have like Shakur Stevenson skills and, you know, Mayweather skills and things like that. But the Mm -hmm. one thing that I did have, I had a work ethic and then I had an IQ. I can see, I know what guy's weakness is. I I can see it. I try to exploit it the best way I can. So um, with that being said, man, um, it feels good. You know, it does. It feels good to finally, you know, have some respect in the game and people really appreciate the brute honesty that I give. Um, I'm not a type of guy that's gonna wrap it up in a pretty bowl for you. Um, that's not my style. I'm just straight up black and white and just give it to you, you know, how I see it, rather how you perceive it, that's on you. Mm-hmm. But just know that it's not, it's, it's 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 not no malice, you know, towards anybody, no kind of, you know, envy or anything. It's just-
0: Yeah, it's not personal. I, how, <laughs> I mean, it's I, business. Know
1: how, I know how tough this game is. Yeah. It only takes one punch and And I want these fighters to understand that, and especially the younger ones. So, um, when I do say something, I just mean it for the best. I want to see you succeed. So, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the fighters,
0: whether it's the fighters that are taking the criticisms or the compliments, well, if you give a compliment, it it means something. If you criticism, it also means that you care. Uh, And that, in terms of the fighters, the fans. I think are like it because it's just refreshing, you know, now at these four, basically leagues we have in boxing, uh, yeah. four different networks. I mean, it, some of these telecasts kind of turn into infomercials for uh, their fighters or their, uh, you know, uh, their upcoming fights. So I, I think it's great. I think it's refreshing. I think uh, the dynamic between you and, and Andre uh, is really good too, but let's get back into um some of these lightweights, I mean, these lightweight division, is like taking over boxing. We're now in like the fourth week. I do the show every single week. And it's been like the focal point of um, my uh, discussions because it's just that exciting. And I think it's awesome. that there are four guys that you can make a case for all of them uh, being number one. You can make a case for all who would win, which fight, who they, they should fight. finally ask you, Tim, I, I, we'll go on a, out of 10, like a 10 out of 10 right. and we'll rate their performances. We'll start with Cambosos over Tfimo rate uh, rank that performance.
1: No, you, know, you got to say, honestly, you got to say a 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to say a 10 for the for Cambosis because of everything that they went through, uh, through the lead up, you know, all the postpone, postponements. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to understand that. Um, all the money spent, all the time away from family. I mean, that, that, that's draining on you, draining on a fighter's mind and also body. But he was able to balance all of that. And, and that's what's special about Cambosis. He was able to channel all of that energy the right way. Uh, he had a game plan the whole time while he was waiting for his opportunity. He had a game plan. He worked it over and over and over in the gym. And I shared with this trainer, um, Javier, I said, man, I I remember back when I was fighting for the championship, I studied junior Witter for about a year before I actually got in the ring with him. And I mm-hmm. knew everything about him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it sounds like it's a similar situation for you and Cambosis and, and that you guys had more time to prepare for Teofimo Lopez and really exploit his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So it was a two, he let me know that it was a two-part plan. The plan was two parts to execute. number one was to get under Teo's skin. <laughs> that was number one. And he did that perfectly. You know, Kambosis, uh, you know, got in his face and, and really, you know, talked down to him and, and made him angry. Mm-hmm. And so that was the one thing that he did, right? And then the second thing was just competing against the Philly Shell. So the Philly shell, there's some leakage with Teo when he's in the Philly shell. That overhand right was available for him. The left hook was available for him. The jab was available for him as well. And he just executed the perfect game plan. And he took advantage of, you know, the recklessness from Tiffimo Lopez, especially in that first round when he hit him with that overhand right. And I think that right there set the tone for the rest of the night for him. And he felt that he was confident. You know, he felt confident enough to, you know, continue with the game plan all the way through the fight. And through the back end, I saw one round where Cambosa started to give in, mm-hmm. but then he went back to his corner and that was when he got dropped. And this corner said, Hey, <laughs> it's one round at a time, buddy. Forget about that round. Let's move <laughs> forward. And let's continue to dominate this fight. And they did. So I would say 10 out of 10, Absolutely. he had a great performance against TFmo Lopez.
0: I loved it. I was there. um, It's, it's up there. Top three fight of the year for me. I love the performance from Kambosis. Like someone asked me, what did he do to, that was so special in there. I was like, honestly, it wasn't anything that, you know, extraordinary. It was, he was moving. He circled away. Anytime he was on the ropes, he followed everything up with combinations and he had a a decent jab. It wasn't like a power jab and it wasn't like super active, but it, it was enough. And obviously he used Teofimo's aggression against him. you shocked now but you were close to Teofimo Lopez um were you shocked by the game plan Were you shocked by the lead up some of the things we've heard about it are you shocked about how he handled uh, uh the loss uh with Tiafimo? well
1: I mean when I when I let's put it this way in the first first round I knew that wasn't Teo. just just put it that way I've known I've known Teo and I said he was a real deal for a very long time and I think mm-hmm. he still is the real deal I just think that he has a lot of personal things outside of the ring that's kind of bogging him down right now in his career that he needs to fix. Mm -hmm. But I knew that wasn't him. Um, It didn't look like him. He, you know, he didn't look as sharp as I normally see him. Uh, He was rushing things. He was trying to knock, trying to knock out cambosis. Um, And the things that he said in the lead up as far as the whole depression and almost killing himself and suicide and all that stuff, that stuff's real. There's no doubt about it in my mind. That's real and it's sad, but it, Mm -hmm. it is real um after the fact um it's just you gotta understand it's pride it's just pride guys you know this guy was on an all-time high uh Lopez was 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 just beat Lomachenko um he was going to get the highest payday of his career uh that didn't end up happening you know Thriller bailed on him and then you know it was postponement after postponement so it was a lot of frustration going on in his mind so um i expect the excuses i expect him to say no i won the fight i expect all these things because he's still trying to understand he's young trying to understand how to process all of this one Mm -hmm. minute you're on top of the world next minute you're not so um it's understandable um I, i think i think what he needs to do is he needs to get back into the ring sooner um i don't think he needs to waste any time i think he wasted too much time last year waiting to for this fight um i think a fighter in the gym, you know, working out, you're constantly clearing your mind of demons and things that's going on. So he's just stay busy and stay active and, and get back into the ring ASAP. As soon as his health is okay. See, mm-hmm. like, nobody's really bringing up that, man. Like, that's a real thing. Like, he went into the fight at 20%. And what he needs to understand is, is that going to that fight and fighting the way he fought at 20%, can you imagine him at 100%? Mm-hmm. Can you even imagine Does Cam- Campbell with even have a chance? Yeah, so, it was, it was something, man.
0: Um, T is one of the active fighters today that I have uh, befriended and he's an emotional guy. I mean, he he is, he wears his emotions on, on his sleeve and yes, he went in on healthy. Obviously we, we saw the, the reporting from uh, Mark Kriegel. And he also went in with just so much going outside of the ring. And, you know, these are also things that a lot of fans don't know about. Not excuses. I mean, but they are factors that that, that go into the fight. And I said this uh, after the fight is like, I think he's with the best promotional company in terms of rebuilding, uh, in terms of taking care of a fighter. Top Rank has done this numerous times. They have some of the most experienced matchmakers and executives and, and everyone that you know, this, uh, you've been under that banner, your whole, your whole career basically. Uh, so I think he's going to bounce back, but it also has to come down to yes. him being healthy mentally and physically. All right. Let's rank uh tank's performance over Isak Cruz. This one, uh, tank is a lightning rod. He got the win, a close, close decision, uh, rank tank over Isak. Uh,
1: let me see tank. I would say, he, I would say about an eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say I like the fact that we were able to see some boxing ability from Tank. Uh, I especially like the back end of the fight where, you know, he was he knew that that Cruz was coming on to him um, and he was still able to dig down deep and and box his way. I like the fact that Tank was in really good shape for the fight as well, because if he wasn't, he probably would have lost the fight. Mm -hmm. Um, He took some some good shots as well over the top, ate a lot of left hooks. I didn't like that at all. Um, so he still has some fundamental flaws that he needs to really work on that he's been getting away because guys that he normally hit, they normally fall. So, uh, Cruz, um, whether you, you know, I didn't know much about Cruz, you know, to begin with, uh, I didn't really study Cruz or anything before I made my assessment of him. And, you know, because I'm just so used to tank hitting guys and just him knocking them out, especially with that uppercut, Mm -hmm. but Cruz definitely came to fight he had a game plan. Um, I looked at his resume. He has fought some, you know, some really good top quality guys as far as contender status goes. Um, And, you know, he came in the fight with a great game plan, attacked Tank's body, uh, wore him out. But I mean, Tank still was able to hold on. Uh, You know, to me, Some people say he didn't look impressive. You you say that because he didn't get the knockout. He didn't look impressive. Right. You say that because he took some shots. I mean, isn't that what we want to see? You know, we want to see if guys want to, if we want to see if guys can take punches. We want to see if guys can, you know, persevere and go through some things and then bounce back. And I think that's what we saw from Tang. So, uh, without the knockout, I would give him an eight.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, that's fair. No doubt about it. Uh, I think I think it's a, a fair assessment of him, but yeah. Tank is dangerous, man. I, I, I'm sick of this, this you know, oh, he ain't fought nobody. I understand that. I, I get it to a certain point. You got to understand Tank was been a, been a world champion for some time now. You know, I think it was 23 or some odd years old when he fought Pedraza. Mm-hmm. He's the first guy to beat Pedraza now, okay? And Pedraza, we've seen how far Pedraza has gone since he lost to Tank. So mm-hmm. that's a quality opponent. You know, Leo Santa Cruz, you can say, well, he was a small guy. Well, Tank, Tank was a small guy. Tank is a three-division world champion. He fought at 130. You know, the CLO Santa Cruz fought at Bantamweight. I get that. But he campaigned his weight at 126, and 130 pounds as well and won titles there too. So, you know, you got to give this guy some respect. He fought a, a, a good a good fighter in him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he go up and he faces another guy, uh, who Barrios. is uh, Barrios, who really was un- not tested. And he was had one of those second tier championships. So it wasn't really a championship fight, even though they went 12 rounds, but you know, he was unbeaten. He was a big guy. He -hmm. can box and he comes from an educated background with training with Virgil Hunter in Mm -hmm. that group up here up North. So um, I thought that was a really good test for him. And I thought Barty was doing very well until until Tank found the key, opened him up and it was all she wrote.
0: Listen, I, I like Tank, and, and I know that you do as well. You, you speak very yeah. highly of his in-ring abilities. I do too. I don't know anyone in boxing that doesn't think of him in the ring. Uh, his in-ring abilities are superb. I mean, elite. Uh, you name it. I thought in the cruise fight, he showed different facets of his game. Early on, he was throwing that check or cook, which he's done, and he was hurting – Cruz and then the hand injury obviously played a role. And then I thought he boxed beautifully. I thought he showed off some boxing skills over the second half of the fight. Albeit he, it was pretty much all he had, but to, to hold off a guy in Cruz with basically one hand uh, was really impressive. But the thing with tank and it's just, it's like, yes, you just brought up, uh, you know, some great points about why we should appreciate this guy. And his resume is probably better than a lot of people think. it's just, he's just not getting the benefit of the doubt because uh, either it's his promoter or the, the powers that be at, at, at Mayweather promotions, um, you know, just kind of talking about him as a star so much and the biggest fights are going to not going to happen because he's just that much, uh, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of these contemporaries when it comes to the finances, when it comes to that part of the game, I, I think his team is not doing him any favors and it's just always going to be in the discussion with tank. It's like, Obviously, we know he's good, but is he ever going to be matched up with a really good guy? You know, Mayweather has kind of, you know, told everyone we're only making in-house fights. I mean, it's like two camps with Tank Davis. Yes, very good. But there's a part with his management that is really drawing the ire of fans. And I think it's coming to a head now. We don't know how many pay-per-view sales it did. And we're like, man, why do fans care about that? Well, fans care about it because... For the last two, three years, all we have heard from tanks uh, and Mayweather promotions is how much of a star this guy is, why he's not going to get, why he has to be the A-side if he fights Ryan Garcia or Loma or Haney or Camposos. So when we hear some rumblings, that the pay-per-view didn't do that good. Of course, they're going to have some heat uh, on LRB. Of course, there's going to be some heat uh, on that side. I just think that he's such a lightning rod because they are building him into this star, which he is. I mean, to put 16,000 people in an arena, uh, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's L.A., whether it's Baltimore, that is really, really impressive. There's not a lot of guys that, that can do that. But I think you bring up the Pedraza fight four years ago. That's his best win it was four years ago. He's now 27. He's not a prospect anymore. 27. This guy should be in. I the, agree. Uh, next year. I think this is – I think it's coming to a head. Maybe he fights a Roly if Roly can clear all the, the terrible uh, accusations but, that are in his way. But then – Come on, man. We need Ryan Garcia. We need someone big. We need a big name at Lightweight. Say what you got to say. So so
1: you said Roley. Yeah. What have what, what has Roley done? In nothing. <laughs> well, so, I would not like, be shocked. That's, that's, my, that's my point. My point is, is that Roley's haven't done anything. Would you be uh, shocked, though, if that's
0: like what they wanted to do in December? And obviously the accusations and, you know, nothing has really come of it on, on that end. I'm not following it that much, but there have been no ch- charges filed if he gets cleared. I would not be shocked if it's Roley versus Tank in, like, February or March. I think it's interesting. I think it's
1: an interesting fight. Um he can punch harder than Cruz. Roley can punch. I don't know if he can take it, but I know he can punch. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. And he's a, big, he's a big guy. He's, like, twice the size of mm-hmm. Tank. But the thing is, is this. And, you, and you're right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You said he's been a champion for some time now. And he's 27 years old. And when is he going to step up? and face another top guy at 135 pounds. And I understand that. And I say this about all the 135 pounds, it's just not Tank, it's just not him. It's it's a lot of guys, Um, you know, but the guys, the two guys that I know uh, that are calling out and want all the smoke. One, I know the champion right now is Kambosis, no Mm -hmm. doubt about it. You got Haney, like I told you before, he wants all the smoke. But at the same time, I hear I do hear through the grapevine. And you know, I keep the honesty. Sometimes he prices himself out of these deals, okay? And then you have Lomachenko that wants all those belts, okay? Um, Garcia, uh, where is Garcia? I, I I mean, we haven't seen Garcia in some time now. It's going, what is it going on? A year and a half, yeah. maybe, since we've seen Garcia. And I understand he had personal issues and, and things mm-hmm. that he was dealing with. Um, you know outside of boxing I understand that but then it comes to a point to like hey guy when when are you going to come back into the ring the fans miss you the fans want to see you yeah you know you need to get your butt back into the ring but mm-hmm. um, with that being said um, I think it's going to boil down to it's going to come to a point to where Tank will have to fight somebody it's going to ha- he's going to have to and you know he's gonna have to fight one of those fights that everybody wants to see. In it the fight, it can erase was-
0: all doubt, man. It can erase all doubt that at that point we won't have to have these conversations anymore. The conversation will now be, man. Tank sells a ton of tickets, uh, and he just beat a top guy because I mean I, I think he can. I think he he can he is in every single fight. Yes, Haney right. would give him issues.
1: I got I got something for you though. Go I got something for you. In a way,
0: yeah.
1: Who did In a way just fight?
0: It was, yeah, it was like a stay-busy fight versus Diopin. Right. Exactly.
1: And then the fight before that?
0: Uh, was it Maloney? No. He fought...
1: Yeah, I remember him fighting Maloney, but then he fought another guy. Uh, the, is it Dinez?
0: The See, it's just like... I know what you're trying to say. It's like he hasn't really fought anyone of note.
1: Hey, listen, he hasn't fought anybody of note. I mean, he's on the pound-for-pound pound list. He's number three rated on the pound-for-pound pound list. And mm-hmm. it's like, hey, when are we going to get the Donair rematch? Hey, when we are going to get somebody... You know, when are you going to challenge yourself against another top guy? I mean, yeah. you know, I can say this about a lot of guys that are in in, the, in each division, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, I mean, I understand what the fans are, you know, what they're crying about. I understand that. And and I say I want to see that. I don't like the Mayweather way and, and reserving him. I mean, how much more do you got to build? This guy has been a champion for some time now. One, two, he sells out arenas, like you said. You know, he sells out arenas. Uh, pay per view numbers. See, I look at pay per view numbers a little different than everybody else. So you look at the hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, or one fifty, but you got to realize that it's seventy five dollars to eighty bucks a pop. Mm. Okay, the old way was fifty something dollars a pop. You know, was a lot less. You know, so there was a lot more pay per view sold. So you got $75, dollars. You're you buying this pay per view? It's equivalent to like almost you know that and a half or that and double because of the amount of money that these people are spending for the pay-per-view in
0: my yeah, it, it might be a flop in like in what you think you know as a fan but we don't know how much went into the fight we don't know uh the overhead that Mayweather and Showtime put in they could have made up millions on it we don't know but with what we can see is that he sells tickets what we can see is that he's a, he's a good fighter. He's improving. We're not saying anything crazy here that we want to see him in, in, in bigger fights. All right, let's go head over to a new segment I'm introducing, Tim. It's called Desert Storm DMs. These are from fans. We got, <laughs> <laughs> we got one here from Croval10. Does Crawford Spence happen next year? Next year. I'm going to say, yes.
1: I say the fight happens next year. I say Spence comes back. He has a tune up fight, you know, sees how sees how he feels. And then, then I think he fights Crawford right after that. No okay. doubt about
0: it. I like that. How about uh, what do you, I, <laughs> thoughts on Keith Thurman fighting uh, Barrios?
1: <laughs> Mercenary <laughs> chief, <laughs> What'd you, you say? know, Listen, listen, Barrios is about 5'10". He's a big guy. I mean, he's yeah. a 140 pounder, but he's going to move up to 147 pounds. Keith hasn't been in the ring in almost two years. He's been waiting. He's been waiting for an opportunity. Um, I mean, I have my opinions about Keith Thurman and, and where his head is at as far as where he's at now in the sport. I personally think that he's one foot in and one foot out. Everybody don't have to think the way I think, but you know, the way I mean, he moved uh, it,
0: I mean, just look at it. I mean, he's fought once since he's had zero times since Pacquiao and he got a ton of money. Uh, I mean, like we're saying, we're not we're not saying anything crazy here. Like tanks should fight better opposition and maybe Keith him. Yeah. is isn't 100 percent committed. We'll see how he looks against Barrios. Because if he doesn't win that one, then, you know, it's 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 probably done for him. But he's still angling for that Crawford fight. He's still angling for that Spence fight. I think he's a uh, is he really? I mean he wants the payday. He's pretty he, damn want <laughs> he, uh, he, wants he wants Crawford. He, he wants Crawford. But if, if he's coming back, what are you coming back for exactly? Like Listen, you're not coming back with- to fight barriers, you're coming back to, to get that $10 million or $8 million, whatever it is, $5 million to fight either Spencer or, or Crawford, no?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely hypothetically thinking, but I don't I don't I don't think I don't think personally, I don't think Thurman wants that. I mean, I've heard through the grapevine that Crawford has offered Thurman uh, uh what he wanted. And you know, no, it was a nobody called. You know, he called them out, told him he'll give him what he wants. <laughs> and uh he said he didn't say anything at all. Yeah. He it was MIA, he was quiet. So, you know, I hear things all the time, man. Uh, and I hear it from the horse's mouth. So, you know, with that being said, I just hey, I just wanted to be I want to be seen. I want to, I want to see the fight and see if it actually happens. I don't believe in it until I actually see it.
0: Fair. Uh, At Homer wants to know, not Homer Simpson. This is Homer. This is my guy on on Twitter. Who is one fighter other than Floyd that you wish you could have fought?
1: One fighter that that, – oh, other than Floyd. That's a really good question.
0: Because you – I mean, I know it's Floyd. I mean, we've had this conversation before. You fought Pacquiao, (laughs) you fought Marquez, you fought Provodnikov. I mean, there isn't many other welterweights that were out there in your era that you didn't, you know, tangle oh, with. Oh, you know what?
1: It was it was one guy. I was one guy that that I that I wanted to fight. I didn't get a chance to fight. And I would say, you know, man, one fight that I was wanted to fight. It wasn't Sean Porter. It wasn't Khan. Khan. I and, and I had an opportunity, but that's a long story. I had an opportunity <laughs> to fight him, but that's a that's a really long story. We'll save
0: life. it for the, your oh, next you, appearance.
1: They say you ducked him. You ducked him. No, I didn't duck him. No, nah, I didn't duck Amir Khan. I would glass chin
0: Amir Khan. Stop. Him. Yeah. yeah <laughs> stop it. I mean, he's fighting again. He's fighting uh, Kel Brook. I mean, we we can make this fight happen in 2022, uh, too, Tim. He's gonna get knocked
1: out by Kel Brook.
0: Probably, I mean, uh, that would, <laughs> if I was a betting man, I, I, I give out my betting picks. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm interested in that fight. I'm interested in that fight. It's sold out. Uh, good for them. Of course uh, it is. But damn, I would have loved to seen you and Khan 140. Going, I would
1: have, I would have mopped the floor with Khan. He had problems with, he had problems with, with Lamont Peterson.
0: Yeah.
1: I, and and, me and Lamont Peterson. I mean, you know, you saw what happened with me and Lamont. I screwed mm. Lamont. Now you imagine me getting in the ring with Amir Khan. I actually saved your career, man. I was
0: gonna stop you. <laughs> oh, I was man. gonna
1: stop you. I fought Pacquiao instead of you. Go oh ahead. yeah,
0: I mean that's that's the thing. You went and fought Pacquiao, and any fighter would have would have t- taken that damn uh, payday or in that opportunity. I mean, guys are up until this year we're we're holding out to, to, to fight Manny <laughs> yeah. Pacquiao. I mean, the, the damn guy held up the whole division for yeah. uh, for freaking two decades. All right, Tim, I'll, I'll let you go. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, fans love when you come on. You're, you you do oh, a great man. job. Uh, don't work too hard over at the restaurant. Do, fa- well, do fans, like, recognize, like, holy crap, like, Tim Bradley is waiting on my table?
1: Nah, you know what? They they do a double take because, you know, I, I'm twice the size now, and they go, <laughs> and they look at me kind of sideways and be like, are you a boxer? you like, I'm nope. Like, I- I was a boxer. (laughs) I'm a daddy now. (laughs) And so they go, yeah. Are you Tim Bradley? Yes, I am. Oh my God. And they go crazy. But yeah, some fans do, some fans don't, man. But at the end of the day, it's all love, man. Yeah. So I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, man. I'll talk soon.
1: All right. Peace.
0: A very special thanks to Tim Bradley for taking time out of his, uh, wait, <laughs> being a waiter, uh, to come and join us. That is something, huh? You know, uh, I know he made a lot of smart investments, um, or him, him and his wife own a bunch of restaurants in, in Northern California, uh, where he's from. Imagine you, you roll into the restaurant and, and a former two division world champion who shared uh, the ring with Manny Pacquiao and so many others, future hall of famer is, is waiting on your table. I think that kind of uh, shows Tim's work ethic and also shows that damn it's really hard to find employees these days with, with everything that's going on uh in this crazy world i don't want to get into all that but thank you tim bradley uh i think you still see that competitive fire flowing when you bring up a name like amir khan but who knows who could we see bradley back in the ring uh versus uh, amir khan I think that uh, Tim's family probably won't let him do that. I think ESPN probably won't let him do that because he is such a good broadcaster, such a good analyst. He's really uh, settling in as one of the better voices in boxing. Uh, him and Andre Ward together on a broadcast, I think is some of the best stuff. You know, they disagree a lot. They don't, co- you know, cut around the corners. They don't uh, sugarcoat anything. They just tell it like it is. I think we need that in boxing. I mean, I've been watching a lot of old fights. Uh, I know a lot of fans do that. And they, they you know, go back to the old HBO days Uh, you know, Larry merchant was not afraid to tell you if a fight stunk, uh, if a fighter was not fighting up to their, the best of their abilities and just be brutally honest. I think, uh, Tim Bradley is is kind of bringing that to the, to the, uh, analyst role for, for ESPN. Uh, he he does a great job, but that is a wrap for this edition of, uh, inside boxing Live. jam pack weekend. One last thing I wanted to get to where we talked about uh, this Jake Paul fight this weekend. Uh, you know, if, if. Woodley doesn't throw more than 20 punches around he's going to lose because Paul threw about 23 around, which is not that great. I think if Woodley just sits around and throws that six to eight, head punches around. You know, Paul's just gonna win off of sheer activity. That's over uh, on Showtime. Shout out to my guy Brian Campbell, who will now be part of the Showbox Analyst Crew. I mean, Brian Campbell's taking all our jobs here. <laughs> there, uh, if you work in boxing, Brian Campbell. I mean, he's gonna, he's coming, he's coming for you. Uh, I love uh, BC. I enjoyed my time over on uh, the Morning Combat uh, program. A lot of boxing this weekend, but coming to an end of the year, There used to be a time in the boxing world we ha- where we could take a breather. Yeah, there were no off there's no off season in boxing because we're getting fights on Christmas Day, we're getting fights on New Year's Day. It's a year-round sport. I love covering it. We're going to take the next week off uh, for Christmas, but when we come back, a, a fun year-end and look forward type of show. Thank you so much for joining us on Inside Boxing Live.